Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and from BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. On today's show, why two-thirds of Canadians are worried about the country's economy and whether BC should be looking to tech companies to help fund affordable housing initiatives. Our weekly tech panel will weigh in on that in the second half of today's show. But first, BIV's Business Excellence Series is kicking off 2019 with two great events. Upcoming on February 21st, we have a panel of experts who will discuss the due diligence required when buying a business. They'll walk through all the details you need to know. On February 28th, our Retirement Ready panel will walk through how to successfully get yourself out of business and into a successful retirement. Both events are at the Shangri-La Vancouver. Both start at 3.30 in the afternoon and both have more information available at BIV.com slash events where you can also find out more details and buy tickets for our other events. You're listening to BIV Today. Two-thirds of Canadians are kicking off the new year worried about their finances. Ledger conducted a kitchen table forecast for the Financial Planning Standards Council and Credit Canada, and I'm joined today on the line from Toronto by Laurie Campbell, CEO of Credit Canada, to talk about the study and some of its findings. Laurie, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Tell me, what has so many Canadians worried in 2019? Well, a number of things. Certainly debt is on the top of minds of many Canadians and, and job security as well seems to come up in a number of cases. And without a doubt, the fact that interest rates are rising worries those with, with mortgages or those who are, are looking to get into the housing market. And one in four are even concerned that they won't be able to keep up with their monthly payments as it is. Mm, that's very concerning. Do you see much variation across the country, depending on which province, in terms of what some of the drivers are behind these concerns? We haven't seen anything specific across the country, but interestingly enough, we've seen um, age groups, uh, you know, have different thoughts about the economy and perhaps the R word recession. And what we found was that uh, the age 55 plus group are significantly more uh, likely to to worry that or feel the economy is going to get worse in 2019 than those under 55. And we can probably liken that to the fact that they've had experience. They've seen the drivers that lead up to recessions or lead up to a change in the economy. And some of these drivers are in place today. Yeah, tell me a bit from your position as CEO of Credit Canada, what are you seeing in the broader marketplace, in the economy, and what maybe concerns you or what are some of the red flags you've maybe noticed? Well, certainly one big red flag is that we saw in the fall that insolvencies began to rise. So bankruptcies were on the rise in uh, the late 2018. That's one factor. And there was another study out by MNP that said 46% of people felt that their income was reduced by $200 or, or that amount that they would fear that they'd be facing a bankruptcy. So the fact that we have such high indebtedness, and let me put this in perspective, that for every dollar we have outstanding, we owe over $1.70. In 1990, for every dollar we had outstanding, we owed less than 90 cents. So our indebtedness is huge. And top that off with a lack of savings, um, it's a recipe for disaster. So there's two messages we want to get out there. If you're in debt and you're paying upwards of 29%, which are retail cards, uh, in interest, you've got to really think about where your money's going and whether you want to live like that because all your money is going back to the creditor instead of in your own pocket. And secondly, 
if you haven't got savings in place or you don't have a you know any emergency fund and you don't know where to save, you need to get a certified financial planner to help you out with that. So we've got two different spectrums here, major indebtedness and a lack of savings. When it comes to that indebtedness, how much or to what extent can we point to really the real estate market and mortgages? Well, certainly the real estate market and mortgages where people have gotten bitten off more than they can chew perhaps in Vancouver and in Toronto uh, is certainly a factor. But I, I, I think we can't um, dismiss the fact that many people are using credit cards indiscriminately. And what I mean by that, Haley, is that there, you know, there's impulse purchases that are, people are using their credit cards uh, for. And we see this especially this time of year when people start getting in their savings from over the holidays, they realize that perhaps again, they blew it. Mm. You mentioned earlier some of the demographic differences, and I I think of my grandparents. They're not making any impulse purchases on their credit cards. (laughs) How much of this is maybe a a symptom of generational differences? How much does it have to do with maybe this culture and this climate? We've had a very, very low interest rates where it's been relatively cheap to borrow money. You know, we've been kind of fooled. You're right, very much. We've been kind of fooled into thinking that the economy is good, interest rates are low, so why not spend, spend, spend? And, and for sure, our grandparents were very, very frugal with their money. They, they, they'd seen hard times themselves, and credit wasn't readily available the way it is today. So this new generation's grown up with credit and grown up really with a, a, this kind of uh, era of debt. So it's not surprising that so many people are finding themselves in debt. But unfortunately, there are fallouts to that. It's not just financial. We see people with mental health problems around their debt. Um, They can't sleep at night. They're fighting with their partner or spouse. They they have addiction problems because of their financial issues. They can't concentrate at work. So these financial issues that people are experiencing today are very real, and they have so many other consequences to them. And we really need to recognize that as part of, you know, trying to get out of the situation that it's going to help on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. Is there concern too that maybe the party's ending a little bit, that the economy is maybe going to taper, that growth is not going to be as great and that maybe jobs could be at risk? Exactly. And this is why we, we talk about how to recession-proof your life because, you know, we feel Financial Planner Standards Council and Credit Canada that we are heading into a tough year, that, there, there, that a recession may be uh, on the horizon. And, you know, with job loss and uh, or potential job loss and the fallout uh, from the economic conditions, people need to prepare themselves. They need to get a, an emergency fund in place. They need to get rid of the high interest debt as much as they can. Um, they need to have a family discussion, and that means putting all the family members down together and talk about how they're going to manage their finances so everybody's on the same page. And certainly take a look at their budget and find out where they can cut expenses and then use that money. Don't leave it in the bank account. Use that money to pay off high interest debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you certainly don't want to succumb to some kind of a shock, something out of your control and find yourself carrying that much debt at those rates. That could be uh, mean a lot of trouble for a lot of families. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons that Credit Canada offers free free credit counseling and we offer uh, confidential and unbiased services because we know that so many Canadians do struggle and don't know where to turn. It's one of the best kept secrets. You know, people don't talk about their debt. They don't talk about their income. They don't talk about their finances. And so, so many people are living in isolation with this problem and they don't really know where to turn. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of good resources online. The report itself, very interesting. And Lori, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show to talk about it. My pleasure. That's Lori Campbell, CEO of Credit Canada.
This week in the world of tech, France tells Google it failed to uphold tougher privacy laws. Netflix says it's more afraid of Fortnite than HBO. And Microsoft is making headlines with its investment in affordable housing. Should it be entering that area? Our weekly tech panel is here in studio to weigh in on these stories. We have Ali Portad, CEO at Progressa, and Linda Fawkes, founder and CEO of Glue Technology Society. Thank you both for coming in. Hi, Haley. Thank you. So let's start with Google. It's the first U.S. tech company to face a major penalty under the European Union's general data protection regulations. These came into force last year. And France is alleging the company failed to properly inform users about how their data was being collected and used. They're facing a 50 million euro fine. Linda, is that stick big enough to deter these kinds of behaviors? Well, Google hasn't changed any of their behavior yet. They got the fine and they got off lightly. It's a four per- potentially a 4% fine of their global revenue is the number they could have been hit with. So I'm guessing they think it's a pretty light fine and they will on their own time, it seems, figure out the um, the changes they want to make. So I, it certainly wasn't a big enough fine to have them change their behavior right away. Is this alley then maybe a starting point? Could we maybe expect bigger fines if these regulations just aren't being abided by? I mean, it could be a game of chicken at this point because it's quite early in the evolution of this standard. Uh, the the rules that came out were quite quite onerous on the companies, and but but absolutely needed. And uh, and Google, I don't think, as Linda mentioned, uh, really adapted any of its uh, sort of policies or disclosures. So uh, they you know they came down on them. We'll see if it. If, if it acts as a, a you know an, an agent to change for change, but I don't imagine fifty seven million dollars is really going to wake anybody up there. And could it be that they're waiting for the second fine to come down, the one on the location tracking that's being um, working its way through the EU right now? Perhaps they're waiting to see what happens with that and yeah, probably make a deal. Probably yeah. I mean, I think the the fine needs to be sort of uh, you know in the hundred two hundred million dollar range to get their attention. So maybe they are waiting for the next one. Right. And I'm sure it will come. It's been less than a year since these took effect. Is it fair to say that maybe there is a bit of a learning curve or do we kind of get the sense that these companies just this isn't at the top of their priority list and it's only one market. These regulations don't apply in, say, North America or elsewhere in the world. It's a big market, though. Uh, I mean, the, the EU is a is a very, very large market. Uh, so I don't think they can ignore these uh, these disclosures because the fines will add up to a large amount of money over time. Uh, but these are large companies with with comp- complex roadmaps and mm-hmm. priorities, and and certainly fifty seven million dollars is is not a big enough uh, big enough to get anybody's attention. Yeah, and Google. I think GDPR brought the um, data concerns, data privacy, data collection, and protection onto the mainstream radar. So really, while we may not be part of that uh, union at this point, we. Um, certainly are aware of the GDPR regulations. I'm sure you're all clicking agree pretty quickly when those pop-up windows come. A few of yeah. us reading what those things are saying. Mm-hmm. But it has it's brought this to the mainstream. So we're all having a conversation now more than we did before about this issue. And Google creating their takeout.google.com site so you can go and uh, take out your data from their site is an indication that they're kind of going, all right, everybody, we get it. You're concerned. Let's show you how we're using it and how you can easily exit from our platform. Yeah, I think this uh, this news was more important for the overall industry than it was for Google itself. I agree. It's a good sign yeah. uh, for smaller companies that $57 million will move the needle. 
and they will think twice and make sure their disclosures are up to standard. Yeah, I think so too. It looks too like complaints are through the roof. So to your point, Linda, it's that awareness and saying, oh, maybe I actually do have rights when it comes to privacy and when it comes to protection. So maybe that's really the victory here, at least at this stage. Let's hope so. <laughs> Our next story, Microsoft making headlines, as I said, for a 500 million US dollar investment in affordable housing. It's notable because it's not just for its own employees. We've seen tech companies do that before. But it is worth pointing out that 95% of that investment, they're loans that will be repaid either at market rates or below market rates. What do we think of this announcement, Ali? I wish it came to Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, it's great for Seattle um, and, and obviously uh, needed there. Uh, when, I, when I was reading the article more carefully, I, I was sort of trying to understand some of the ulterior motives. And I mean, Microsoft does have a very, very large infrastructure with lots of uh, workers who probably cannot live, you know, can't afford to live within miles and miles of Microsoft. So I think this is probably uh, somewhat... Uh, a selfish move a little bit for them where they're trying to, you know, uh, get their, you know, make logistics easier for their own employees. Uh, but uh, it's great. It's a great step. And I think uh, companies need to be aware of this issue. I mean, Vancouver and Toronto, there's no hiding that uh, this is a big problem. Yeah, they are cleaning up a bit of the mess that they created. But it's nice to see them cleaning it up with a, a pot, $500 million. That's federal government level funding, really, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's a huge yeah. amount of money. And they're trying to um, gather the community leaders to save, you know, uh, on a state level, pitch in some money, get, getting the mayors to consider zoning and, and funding in their areas. So I like that they're being the orchestration of this piece and doing it with loans so that they can get the repayment and then yep. reinvest in the community. You know, Seattle's the sixth most ex- expensive city in North America, and we're the second most expensive city in the world. So we need some thing like this. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think companies forget about their support staff quite a bit. I mean, these are large tech companies, but they have thousands and thousands of support staff, and those support staff do not make what their tech employees make. Uh they don't make r- even a fraction of what their technology employees make. And so, uh you know, it's very easy for these large companies just expand expand, but not realize uh that there's no housing available for all their support staff. It it happens very often. And they're commuting long commutes to get to work. Yeah. Or in some cases, it's just not practical to expand. And I think that, you know, you just hit your limit where there's not enough uh, people to, it becomes a supply and demand issue. We sort of have it in Vancouver right now. There's just a shortage of of technology, um, of of sort of new technology uh, uh, employees. And that's largely because they can't afford to live in the city. Mm -hmm. So they leave. We have now affordable housing plans at the municipal level in Vancouver, provincial, and also the federal level. For the first time in a long time, we have a national housing strategy to put more public funds back into housing. Is there room to bring on board industry? Do you think that would be welcome? And what do we think companies might be looking for from government on that file? I think uh, when you've got a company with the size of the balance sheet that Microsoft has, it's pretty easy for them to give some money. I don't know what what companies would be here that would be willing to invest Mm. We would need a, no you know hundreds enough. of millions, right? This yeah. isn't a small investment required. There's no one big enough. Yeah, I mean that's a great point, Linda. Microsoft's bigger than many countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it has you know more more cash on hand than many many of these countries. So uh, I expect you know you would expect companies like Microsoft to be able to make these moves, but I don't think we can expect uh, any Canadian company to be able to help. Perhaps the Canadian companies can help with lobbying the governments to get them to 
Our, I mean, our big bank, our banks, our, our top five banks should be able to uh, make a dent into this problem. Yeah. Yeah. You almost were almost looking at, say, an Amazon or Microsoft, if they're building out their footprint in a place like Vancouver and have concerns, you almost expect a, an investment to come from them. Like Amazon, they're building that new post building, something like that. I think you're right. Canadian companies are a little bit too small. Except, yeah, except Amazon went into New York and nuked almost <laughs> 1,500 units of affordable housing to put yeah. up their office. Right? Yeah, I think it, it's, it comes down to the municipalities and the local governments. They do need to put their foot down and make it a negotiation when these large uh, entities want to come into their cities. Mm-hmm. Our final topic for today, it's kind of a fun one. The intersection of tech and entertainment is very interesting. In 2019, you're seeing streaming services and really content producers like Netflix and Hulu force more traditional companies like Disney to catch up. But they're looking ahead and they're looking at less traditional industries like streaming and gaming and esports as their real competition with Netflix CEO Reed Hastings saying he's more concerned about Fortnite and esports than he is HBO. What does that mean for what content's going to look like? What our attention's going to look like? Where, where do you think this is heading, Linda? Well, Netflix has always said their biggest competitor is sleep. That they are just oh. trying to get eyeballs on screens at all cost. Mm. And so when we look at what people are doing with Netflix, Netflix eyeballs on screen watching content, but a bit, their big demographic is also playing games. So those eyeballs are heading over to gaming sites to set top boxes or whatever they're wherever they're gaming. And so when he says Fortnite's a competitor, he's totally right. Because when yeah. streaming gaming comes on board, all those eyeballs who are sort of looking at shows on Netflix are going to be glued to the next big thing in the gaming world. Yeah, Netflix came out uh, last week with, uh, for the first time, with some data around their active user base. And I think it was somewhere around 150 million uh, active Netflix subscribers, which was a big number when I first saw it. Uh, but then I thought about the size of the e-gaming industry, which is 130 million already worldwide and it's a very very immature industry and growing rapidly so not surprised that Netflix has their eyes on that segment rather than uh, you know the adult market as an example. Yeah and I look at how my son he's 20 now and I look at how he uses Netflix versus his um, gaming system and he does Netflix when he needs kind of some interesting time but it's a brief window when he wants to chill and hang with his friends and just sort of do something other than study he's gaming. So Netflix is definitely a number two priority for him on the screens, on eyeballs. Yeah, I think the other interesting uh, thing to watch in 2019 will be uh, the advertisements, you mm-hmm. know, the advertisers. So, so who's going to come into e-gaming and, uh, and, how, and you know, how are they going to be targeting uh, these young, this younger generation? I'm thinking of companies like Red Bull, as an example, who's already, uh, you know, big into e-sports. Or not e-sports, but sports, uh, alternative sports. And so uh, it could be a natural fit for them to come into e-games and, you know, target the younger eyeballs. Yeah, 5G is going to be the game changer in all of this in a big way. That's a good point. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. if you watch Twitch, which is streaming platform for games, Red Bull already all over that, Uber Eats as well. Netflix doesn't have advertising on their platform, and I wonder what their next move is going to be. You already have advertisers making, I'm sure, substantial amounts of money in a nascent e-gaming, e-sports industry. Do, Do we think we could expect then ads from Netflix at some point in the future? They're raising subscription prices, but you can only kind of go so far with that. They are raising subscription prices. I, I did see that last week. Uh, could be a you know that could carry them for quite some time with 150 million of approximately sure, subscribers. Yeah. So uh, I think they want to probably stay away from it as long as they can. But uh, you know some companies have managed to stay away from ads. It's, 
who knows? They may they may <laughs> go the NBC route where they have a free subscription or a free service that has ad content, and then the premium subscription service with no ads. They could do that. Yeah, that would definitely get more people on the platform yeah. for sure. There you go. 2019 is going to be an interesting year. I can already feel it. Hallie, <laughs> Linda, appreciate having you join us every week. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Linda Focus is the founder and CEO of Glue Technology Society. Ali Pordad, CEO at Progressa. That's it for our show. Thanks for listening to BIV today. You can get notifications of new episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also listen to episodes and read, watch, listen to more business news over at BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks again for listening.